31, if you want to turn in your word. I'm going to speak on becoming the you that God sees. Also can entitle this, learning to think the way God thinks about you, I think, which is important. Mark 6 and 31, a familiar passage of scripture. We'll read it. And then I'm going to read from Isaiah 55, another one. Um, social media all often ask you, what's on your mind? How many have seen that? Often I said, why did you have to ask that? Because 3,600 of my friends are really telling us, and we really don't want to know. Because sometimes but we do want to know what's on God's mind about us. Mark 6 and 31. And Jesus said to the disciples, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. Everyone say a deserted place. And rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. I want you to know this was a busy day in the kingdom. And God is doing, Jesus is out there, he's healing people, he's doing such mighty things. He's just gotten word that his cousin, John the Beloved, has been killed. Not only did this break his heart, because um, it was a foreshadowing of Christ's future, and it was his cousin, but it also broke his heart. Because John was the first one to really recognize Jesus. Outside of that first day at the temple, when um, Christ came down to the Jordan, and I always get weepy when I talk about John the Baptist. He and the Apostle Paul, they're just, they touch my heart. Um, and John's down baptizing at the Jordan, and all of a sudden Jesus makes his way through the crowd. And when John sees him, John is baptizing. He's the, he's the raging guy of the hour. I mean, he is viral YouTube, if I can put it into your words. He is just known everywhere. The crowds are following John the Baptist. But he sees Jesus coming. And all of a sudden, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away what? Takes away what? The sins of the world. And when he says that, that's the first time outside of when Mary carried Jesus into the temple that someone recognized who Christ was. I don't know about you, but um, you never forget people who recognize who you can be. People who forget who the world said you were, but see you as who God sees you. Amen. And let's pray before I go on. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We ask you to anoint this word. Speak, Holy Spirit, let me leave out what is not imperative and bring forth that which is. But more than that, speak into my brother and sister's ears. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. And so he called him out as Christ. And um, it's just very precious when someone recognizes the greatness of, of, of God in you. And Jesus loved John. John paved the way for him. Jesus said, there's not one on earth any greater than John the Baptist. So he's just found out that John has been killed, whom he loves so deeply. And he just wanted to kind of get away and grieve. This is what's happening in this passage right now. I've been to the place where this happened, and it's such a beautiful area. So he's saying to the disciples, come aside by yourself to a deserted place, and let's rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They're very tired. They've not been able to eat. And Jesus is sorrowful. He's very sorrowful. He loved John, not only because he was his cousin, but he just loved John because John took hits after hits for Jesus Christ. John paved the way. 
And there are people in this room that you're constantly paving the way for others to come into their freedom. You are known by heaven. It doesn't matter if earth ever acknowledges you, but you are known by heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, you are known by heaven. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing. Multitude means thousands of people. And many knew Christ, and they ran there on foot from all over the city. The cities, plural. Jesus' fame had spread through the, the land. John has died, and Jesus is healing. He is absolutely wreaking havoc on sin and disease everywhere he goes. And people are hearing of him. The lepers are being healed. The blind eyes are being opened. The lame are walking. Everything that John had prophesied would happen is happening. And the multitudes saw him and they ran on foot from the cities. I want to ask you this morning right outside of the gate as I follow him in some notes and what he puts on my heart. How determined are we to get into the presence of Jesus? Would you run from Chattanooga to Athens on foot to find him? Would you run to the mall on foot? I've seen people walk three miles to get to where Pastor Hank was. Men that were hurting him find them and pick them up because they had to leave the shelter or they just got out of jail and they're just trying to get where he is so they can get help. But how many of us are that determined to get into the presence of Jesus? It will cost us, amen? Come on, it will cost us, amen? A little bit of sleep. A little bit of slumber, a little bit of binge watching TV. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't do that, Pastor Rhonda. It'll cost us. But they arrived before them and came together to him, meaning they knew where he was going, and they ran to get there to get into his presence. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. You understand in this moment, Christ Jesus, our courageous Savior, is brokenhearted. Facing a little bit of fear. Gethsemane was all about the fear. And he showed us how to conquer it. He's facing a little bit of fear. He's sorrowful. He's lost John. But he was moved with compassion. I love the writer of the book, There's Holes in the Gospel, World Vision Director. His name's not coming to me right now, though I'm trying to see it. But he says, let, us, let our hearts break with the things that break the heart of God. Jesus knew what broke the heart of God. And if the devil ever tells you that what you're struggling with does not break the heart of God, you tell him he's a liar. And you fight those thoughts like the third monkey that was trying to get on the ark. Come on, somebody. A few of you got that. You fight those thoughts. You fight those. So he began to teach them many things. So in the beginning, John, in John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning, the word, everyone say Jesus, already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is and nothing. Everyone say nothing. Nothing existed he didn't make, make it. You wonder, this is an odd way to start someone's life. This is John telling the story of Jesus' life, John 1 and 1. Not John the Baptist, but John the Beloved, but don't worry about that. He's telling the story, and he begins within the beginning. Why? Because every Hebrew knew the first three words of Hebrew was in the beginning. Genesis 1-1. Everyone say Genesis 1-1. 
Everyone say Genesis 1-1. There you go. In the beginning. Say that. In the beginning. So John is using those same words. In the beginning, God looked upon the earth, and it was in void, chaos, without order. And the Spirit of God hovered over the world, and God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning. Everyone say, in the beginning. Well, as darkness covered the earth in the New Testament and there was no fulfillment of prophecies, the same thing happened that in the beginning, the word who had already existed in Genesis 1, all of a sudden God brings order and intelligence to the cosmos through a little bitty baby who broke forth through the blood and through water, through a woman's womb. And he, being Jesus, entered into the world. Listen to this. He who formed the world now made entrance into the world. And there's nothing in your world or my world that he who made the world cannot bring order into it. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. God who draws near. God who is magnificent. Who is transcendent. God who compasses everything. And in Mark 6, his name is Jesus. Isaiah 55 says, as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. This is God's ways. This is our ways. This is God's thoughts. This is our thoughts. And God is saying, it is not entered into the heart of man yet, what I have prepared for you. God wants you to become, to see yourself the way he sees you. So Jesus is in this passage trying to lift the disciples up to be who he knows they can be. He called them salt when they were so far from salt. He called them the light of the world when they were so far from the light of the world. He called Peter the rock when he was nothing but sifting sand. I want to tell you today that the ability to assign value is one of the rarest and most precious gifts in the world. And our Father is the best at assigning value. He assigned value to your head to your body when he put the sticker on you that says made in my image and the second sticker said bought by the blood of my son come on somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house and often in scripture there are portraits that are painted of Christ assigning value to that which was not valued it is a high school mentality to want to be seen with who is cool so therefore we might be thought cool too Every one of us that endured high school shenanigans know what that is like. Jesus Christ did the opposite. Mm, trying to keep myself together. Jesus Christ did the opposite. He looked who was the poorest. He looked who was the most religious. He looked for who the, everyone had counted out, and he counted them in. He looked for the woman who had been caught in adultery. He looked into the eyes of men and women who had been devalued by their parents, devalued by society, devalued by everything that was coming and going, and he looked them straight in the eye, and he assigned value, and he called them by name. Someone give Jesus a praise today. You see, we live in a performance-based society. Number one, if you're going to see yourself the way God sees, you're becoming the you God sees, you've got, to, you've got to know your approval comes from him. Your approval does not come from your mom and daddy, my mother and daddy's approval. I've saved the last intelligent note my mother could have written to me. She passed it to me at an offering at a women's conference. 
it's pinned on my board because that's the last time she used complete sentences in a written form to tell me of my value. It means a lot to me, but I know someday by way of the grave of the rapture, my mother and father will go. And when they are merely a wonderful memory, I will have to continue to seek my approval from God. You see, Tammy, we live in a performance-based society. We give ourselves stars on good days. We give ourselves frowns, Mish, on bad days. Teresa, we give ourselves bad little things of frowns. We didn't do so good today because we're performance-based. But Jesus Christ comes and says, no gold stars for gold days and no blank spaces for bad days. I don't know if anybody remembered way back when I was in Sunday school when the altars were trepidating in fear. Linda, I was talking about this a few weeks ago. We were down in the basement at North Cleveland Church of God in Sunday school. And you knew this was the old building of the old building of the old building. Nobody but Linda and I would even know that, that old building ever existed. And uh, we went to Sunday school there together. And you just were in fear because the Sunday school teacher would have you stand and tell your favorite memory verse. And you prayed to God with all the prayer that you had as a six-year-old that you might be called on first. So that you could stand up, Michael, and say the verse that every child only knew and wish they were first Christian. And it was that Jesus, Jesus wept. <laughs> you just want to be the first one up to bed. Jesus wept. And you said it proudly like, oh, I got up here first. The rest of you on your own. Just try to think of a verse, you little idiots. No, not really. But that's how you felt because you were the idiot. And you just wanted to say your verse. And we think about that and we think about our approval coming from God and we think about how much we have to know that and to remind ourselves of that because we often project on God the same thing that we receive from each other. In my psychology degree, we called it projection according to Freudian, which I just like to throw him back to where he came. I like to get my psychology from Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. But it was, if I'm not worthy, that your love will be transferred to someone more worthy. If I'm not pretty enough, your love will be transferred to someone prettier. You'll look for someone perfect. It's that never-ending cycle, little girls. I bet little boys didn't do this. Standing out in a field of daisies, picking them up in your hand, and reaching up to the first petal and saying, he loves me. One more time. And that's pretty much the way we do with God. We put our own self into a pig pen of our mental thinking. And we cannot see who we were made to be. We can't become Anita, the, the, God, the person that God sees and become. Because there's something very disabling about believing someone disapproves about you. I don't have time this morning, but two teachers that made an incredible impact upon me at Mayfield Elementary. Mrs. H. and Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. H, I shall not give honor to her name because she disapproved of me. I was a sanguine child who waited the last minute to do everything, stressed my parents out because I was too busy laying around. Resting was my main thing. That's what I'm saying. And so I was stressing everyone out, and I never came in. People would have built an Amazon rainforest, and I painted the flag. I remember her humiliating me in front of the whole class. She was a staunch woman with hair going way up to the heavens. Come on, somebody. Big old glasses that could just look down at you and make even the strongest among us want to run in fear. And uh, in her presence, I could do nothing right. I'm not kidding you. There was nothing I could do right in Mrs. H's class. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care how many times she called my parents in, much to their dismay. I just couldn't. I made it through and passed. I still don't know how. But across the hall, um, 
tender this morning. There's a five foot one African American teacher named Mrs. Johnson. She saw my greatness. She asked me to put on a pageant, Pastor Colleen. Lee had a thing called the uh, Parade of Favorites, and I decided I'd put on the whole thing in third grade. Directed it, did a soundtrack, got the contestants. I did their sound effects. I know this is so crazy. From the cloakroom. I mean, I don't even know how I knew how to do these things. She knew I knew how to do these things. What one teacher saw as a dramatic sanguine child who could not add four and four and multiply and divide in the same sentence, this teacher saw everything that seemed to be lacking in my life was that which I'd actually been strengthened to do for God's glory. Come on, somebody. There was nothing I could do wrong in Mrs. Johnson's eyes. If she asked me to stand on the top of the roof and sing Star Spangled Banner in four different languages, I believe I could have done it. Because there's something very approving about being in the presence of someone who approves you. It enables you. It enables you. If anybody's ever just kind of funked you up or tripped you up, you probably know what I'm saying. You feel like you can never. Jesus had already heard from his father. I approve of you, Jesus. You are my beloved son. Then John baptized him. So Jesus walked that out. If we're going to think like God thinks about us, I'm going to tell you this morning and zone in for this little part that's more of a teaching part. With a little struggling voice, just pray for me. We've got to learn to think like God thinks. There's no area of your life that is untouched by your thoughts. No area. This is what has been said. The mind is its own place. And in itself, it can make a heaven out of hell or a hell Your mind is so powerful that <clears throat> the way you think about things can either make what would be hell to others a heaven. You ever watch someone going through something? My God, they make that look so easy because they've changed their thoughts, haven't you? Every thought moves you either towards your God-given potential or it moves you away from your God potential. Your thoughts will show. Oh, you think no one knows what I think? Oh, yes, they will. It will be revealed for everyone to see. You see, there's things that we worry and talk about and what we don't want to happen in our life, but that'll never bring us what we do want to have. A little boy, his dad wrote a famous book, <coughs> Tommy Newberry. And in that book, the little boy uh, broke his arm and he was in a cast. And he was telling his daddy all the things he couldn't do. And Tommy, who was a life coach, said, son, I'm going to tell you something, Ty. Make me a list of all the things you can do. Make me a long list of all the things you can do. So they kept driving and driving, and they came up with like 21 things. And his dad said, see, there you go. He said, we could have just as easier made a list of what you can't do. And his son said, why would we want to do that? He said, exactly. Someone say exactly. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not conform. Everyone say, do not conform. Any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everyone say transformed by the renewing of your mind. That to think list is found very famously in Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, my brethren, think on whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praiseworthy, and meditate on these things. You see, that tells us these things. There will always be junk that we can complain about. 
They'll always be good. We can be grateful about it. We exercise our free will when we choose what to think. And you will never become what God sees unless you focus on the pure and the lovely. We love to do theater around here. Anybody know that? And um, we've learned something in theater. It's important for whoever's running the spotlight to be a dress rehearsal. Because Jesus may be breaking through right here, but they're focused on what's happening over here. And if they've not seen the whole picture, then they're not going to spotlight the right thing. I'm going to tell you something. We spotlight something, and the theater spotlights something to bring your attention to it. Whatever you give your attention to, your awareness shifts to the objects under the light. Did you get that? Come on, give God a hand so I can drink water. Whatever you give your attention to shifts your focus to. What's in the dark doesn't have attention. There'll always be dark. I want you all to say that. There'll always be dark. But if you focus, what you put your spotlight on strengthens it. Here is some uh, Philippians 4, 8 questions you could ask yourself every day. What are five things I'm thankful for right now? What are five of my strengths? What are five of my best achievements? Who are the five people who love me the most? And there's going to be five. I didn't say love you perfect. What five things are you looking forward to in the next seven days? Well, there is nothing, Pastor Rhonda, I can think of I'm looking forward to. How about sleep? How about waking up alive the next morning? How about having something to eat the next day? Okay, I gave you three. You see how simple. Now, here is the anti four eight questions that you can concentrate on. You're going to put a spotlight on one of them. You see, I want to see the good. In theater, we want you to focus on that moment that, that Sonia Merkel at Cleveland breaks through the line of the swords and no longer is a slave. We want you to focus on when Jesus comes out of the castle at Christmas. We want you to focus on that beautiful nativity. There will be other things that have been going on on the stage, but a spotlight says, here, right here. You've got to put the spotlight on what is good and pure about you, Brittany. Good and pure about possibilities in the next seven days. And you've got to stop spotlighting that which is negative. Someone say amen. Give the Lord a hand. Now here's some anti-4A questions. Here you go. Let me, just, let me just set you on a pattern for complete negativity and utter destruction. Here you go. What are the five things that make my life really stink right now? And I need to tell someone about them right now so they can be miserable too. What are five of my most damaging weaknesses? What are my top five recent mistakes or blunders? Who are the five people, though this is a belly washer, who would really like to see me fail or suffer? I must think about them and focus on them right now. What are five inevitable things that I'm absolutely dreading in the next seven days? What are you spotlighting this morning? What are you thinking on to become the you that God sees? In Mark 6, this is what's going on with Jesus. He's elevating the disciples' thinking. He's trying to say, I see so much in you. 
that you cannot see. And your carnal mind, according to the word, Romans 8, is a constant war with a spiritual mind. That means God's already put in Rhonda Davis potential that she does not know. My carnal mind will completely and continually rehearse to me why that can't happen for me or through me. My carnal mind will argue, as Romans 8 and 26 says, the Spirit intercedes for us in a language we can't understand because the Holy Spirit knows the will of God and He prays in accordance with the will of God. So I'm praying in the Spirit is so powerful. But if you don't have the gift of tongues, you don't have to check out here. You ask the Holy Spirit to bring you the mystery. Everyone say the mystery. But my carnal mind is at war with what God says is my potential. Is it the anointing that's going to bring the things in me to the earth? Or is it my ability to spotlight the good things and ignore the stupid things? Come on, somebody. Is it the anointing on me and the calling on me that's going to get me, and I'm saying me just to give you a break, I say it about you. Or is it your ability to say, I admit I am thinking too low. And I need to raise my standard of thinking. I need to hear what God has said about me and and spoke about me. It's wonderful when people are those spokespersons for God. I've had so many. I sat with Marcus and Joni Lamb a few weeks ago, Pastor Hank and I did. And as they just took off under the anointing, the tears were flowing so down my face. I was so glad I was with dear friends because Joni just went off ripping prophetically as she often does we do that for each other um but as she just began to say and this and prepare yourself for this and this is going to happen and this and then she's done and we're going back to eating key lime pie that's the way it works and uh I love that but I know in my heart I've got to let the spirit of God raise my level of thinking so here are the disciples and Jesus is seeing the multitude in verse 35 When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. One translation says the day, everyone say this, the day is well spent. Secondly, first of all, you got to get God's approval. you got to know that. Secondly, you got to think like God thinks about you. Here they are saying to him, They bring their logic together. What they're saying is these people are hungry. We're in the middle of a desert, Jesus, and we have nothing. You need to send them home. You see, that's their thinking. But God is thinking up here. That's when I tell God I'm a woman. I can't do that. Thank God for Dr. Fuchsia Pickett who spoke into my heart while I was by myself up at Ridgecrest many years ago. And she raised my thinking to believe that God created them. She's in heaven. God created them, male and female. I ran to my room. I laid on my face. I could not move, Calvin. You've heard me tell this before. Shaking and crying. I felt like a weight was on my back. I couldn't speak in English. I laid there for an hour and a half. But in that moment, God broke through 
with a wise woman's words that said, I have called you, Rhonda. I made male and female. I made them in my image. And you are appointed and anointed to do the works of Jesus. Don't you love it when you get God's thinking? Someone give him a praise in this house. What I love about the irony of this, they're giving him their logic. <laughs> their logic. Let me just paint this for you. They're telling Jesus, this is a desert place. Well, didn't it say a few verses earlier, come, let's go to a deserted place. Jesus knew where they were going. They're telling him, now can you imagine, um, can you imagine me telling the one who created the world Yes, and I'm thinking, in, my, in Jesus' mind, he's thinking, uh, yes. You know, if he was me, he's not. He's Jesus. I'm thinking, don't look at them like they're complete idiots. Don't tell them they're so stupid that they can't even breathe, you know. But he could have said, yes, I know this is a desert. I remember in Genesis 1, because John 1 said, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God, and nothing was made that was not made with him, meaning Jesus. I remember when God and I stood in the middle of this terrain and we chose that this would be a desert. So yes, he who formed the desert knows this is a desert. You will never tell God things God doesn't know about you. Come on, somebody. We tell him, I'm 58. It's too late. I'm uneducated. I've got a past. I'm the wrong race. I don't, I, don't, I don't think like other people. I don't do math. We heard Michael Jr.'s opinion on that, didn't we? I'm not good at English. I'm not good at this. I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. Yeah, I know you're lazy. I remember as Psalms 139 says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you by name. You think I don't know that you're lazy, but I'm going to lift you up to becoming who I see you to be. Come on, somebody, give God a praise. And they're telling him this is a deserted place. Like often, Josh, if you will come get ready, if you'll come start playing. This is a deserted place. And the hour is late. Yeah, let me tell you, Jesus, who created time, how time really rolls. Stay with me because I'm not quite done, but I'm just going to set an atmosphere. And then in a minute, I'm going to have Calvin come up just a few minutes. You see, they're telling him, we can't feed these people. We don't have enough. They're telling him all the things that they cannot do. You get it? Like the little boy, Ty. 21 things I can't do with my arm in a cast. But Daddy said, name 21 things you can do. And he just, he had unlimited sources. And the cute thing brought that story. He said, write them down. And Ty said, Daddy, I can't. I'm right-handed. And his daddy said, I'll write them for you. Are you going to focus on the 21 things that you can't do, that is never going to bring you the 21 things you want. Are you going to focus on the 21 things you can do? Jesus says to them, yes, this is a desert place, but there's something in the midst of this crowd that's going to take care of this situation. You know what I love is that morning, and I, I don't really have time to stay right here. It's another message that when that little boy packed his lunch, I love it that God made sure he had fishes and loaves in there to get there so that nothing would stay the same once it went into the hands of Jesus. Mike Murdoch penned the phrase, and I love it. Nothing stays the same in the hands of a multiplier. 
All Jesus asks is that you put what you have. If you're going to become the you that God sees, you're going to have to put what you have in his hands. You're going to have to acknowledge this is not enough. I get it. I tell God that all the time. I don't got it. I told him that this morning at 7. I don't got it. He says, okay. I tell him that about every event we ever do. I don't got it. I don't go into it saying, oh, I got this thing. Creativity is just running amok right now. No, I wrestle with him for weeks and months. I don't got it. I don't got it. And he always says, my ways are higher than your ways. Right now, you, Tammy, dreamed this for your life, but God is saying, I've dreamed this. Right now, Christine, you've dreamed this for your life, but God is saying this. Keith Red, you've dreamed this for your life, but God is saying this. That's what he's doing with the disciples. And in John uh, 6, I don't know if you know this, but all the four, it's called the synoptic of the Gospels. I won't get off into seminary. But it means that four different, different guys wrote the accounts of Jesus under the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's what you study when you take that course in seminary. The cool thing is that each one of them saw different parts of the story. It's like four of us ladies going to the same concert, and we're telling you afterwards what happened. Have you noticed how every one of us brings a little piece to with the story? John brings a piece of this story and says, Jesus says to them, what shall we do? Yes, the day is well spent. We've got nothing to feed them. We've been hot and tired all day. But what shall we do? He asked that question to test them, it says. Nachok. In the Greek, means to test them. You see, he wanted to test where they were in their faith. Because what is genuinely tested is trusted. What Jesus could have said is, I help my Father create everything that's in the world. I can be trusted. I know according to the book of Job where the gates of death is, where the gates of utter gloom is. I know how to lead the morning to appear to cause the sun to rise in the east. I know how, this is all in scripture, I know how to spread daylight to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness. I know how to take light and darkness to its home. Oh, but of course you know better. You go right ahead and tell me this is a deserted place. You go right ahead and tell me I can't do in your life what I said I can do in your life. I hold back the mornings of the stars and put them in sequence. I place rain on a barren field that no one can see today. But you go ahead and you tell me what I can't do in your life and what I can't bring through you. I provide food to the raven, the mountain goats. Do you know the Lord says, do you count the months till every mountain goat gives birth? No, but I do, says the Lord. Don't be telling me what I can't do. Did you create the ostrich and make her so stupid? This is true. That she leaves her egg on a surface so anyone can trample on them. But oh, when she jumps up, she will run past the swiftest horse and rider. Did you create her? Now talk back to me. Come on, tell me. Tell me what I can and can't do through you, Angie. Tell me about your past. Come on. Come on, Dee. Talk to me. Did you give the horse the ability to leap like a locust? That it paws the earth and rejoices in its own strength. And then the moment of battle... I love when you see this in the movie War Horse. But in the moment of battle, it is unafraid, says the Lord. It hears the battle sound and the hoofs and the vibration of the earth. And it begins to run toward the battle even from a distance. Did you cause that? Well, then you talk to me about what I can and can't do in your life. Come on, limit me if you can. What are you putting your spotlight on? 
he goes on to say, are you as strong as God? Then put on your robes of state, your majesty and splendor. Then I, even the Lord, will praise you for your own strength and your own might. Kind of dramatic, I know, but it's the truth that comes right down to where we live. What report you believe about yourself is going to determine the future you experience. What do you believe? Will you believe what God says? This is my thoughts. This is my ways. Or you will be like the children of Israel who it says in the word cried all night. Numbers 14 and 1 it says the people wept aloud and cried all night because of the bad complaint that the ten spies brought. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, saw the same thing. You see, it's, I don't deny that I'm lazy. I don't deny that I was a child who was always a little bit behind. I was. I also don't deny that when the Holy Spirit, when I gave him fullness, and I'm not even beginning to believe yet what he wants to do in my life, so I'm not giving myself the star. I'm just saying, I know how far you can come up. I know that he's the gap filler. I know he's the mind encourager. I know he took those men and he raised them up so powerfully. They were unlearned men. And they said this about the disciples. They speak of those that have PhDs. That's what we would say. You see, the disciples that were fishermen, that were unlearned. I was discussing with Marcus and Joni about, uh, they were discussing my relationship with Holy Spirit. And they said, you just have such a different relationship. It was, it was good what they were saying. I said, I have to. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And Joni puts down her knife. She goes, well, if you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, I'm not even in the drawer. And then Marcus said, well, if you two aren't in the drawer, and I'm thinking, oh, don't even go there, Marcus. Then I'm not even there. But what we were talking about is our dependence on the Holy Spirit. I'm saying this to say to you, he can take a smart man and make him brilliant. He can make an unlearned man and make others say, where did you get your doctrine? He can make someone that's timidly like Gideon run into the middle of the troops and say, for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. He can take a woman like Deborah and cause her to rise up to the mountain and fight against her enemies. Whose report will you believe? If you believe the report of the Lord, give him a hand clap of praise. spotlighting today before I want to share one more thing before I, I bring up Calvin you know sometimes we spotlight rejection I was reading in some of my notes in my Bible this morning just rejection only affects your feelings not your future what you discuss and meditate on becomes bigger stop discussing your rejection Stop discussing everyone that has ever rejected you and start making a list of everyone that has ever affirmed you. Stop telling people I'm this way because of my anger and start listing a way that you can overcome your anger. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. In 1996, I love to watch the Olympics. Before I brought Calvin up, and I'm going to wait till everybody that went out comes back in because they're not going to miss this. In 1996, the Olympics is forever etched in most of our minds. America was way behind the Russians' second place. And there was a gymnast, Carrie Strug, who stood on the mat as the final gymnast in the lineup to vault for the Americans. The gymnast who had gone before Carrie had fallen on both of her vaults, so the Americans had to throw out her score. And this meant trepidation. 
a lot weighed on this 88-pound frame little Carrie. Carrie didn't have a reputation, see, for being all that tough in the clutch. In fact, she was known, lower ways or high ways, for buckling under pressure. That's what people said. Oh, you know Carrie. She's going to buckle under pressure. How many of us have lived by what people said about us? Come on. Teachers, parents, relatives, siblings, whatever. We said over ourselves the worst. She had earned the, the term of baby of the seven-member group over the years because of the way the coaches had to handle her with kid gloves. But the vault was her specialty, and the Americans did not anticipate the race being so close. So she had been slated as the last girl to run. They just thought they were going to be good. It's going to be cool. Carrie needed a 9.4 to bring them out to secure the goal or even just to get close to it. On Carrie's first vault, she did exactly what she'd been known to do. She buckled under the pressure. She fell. She sprained her ankle and tore ligaments. A hush came over the crowd. Spectators began to doubt that America could get the gold. How could she even try? Tears filled her eyes. Then the crowd started yelling all kinds of things from the Russian side to the American side. And everyone's yelling. They wrapped up her ankle, and she said, I want to go back in. And her coach's name, but you can catch this viral on YouTube. Her coach's name, he was caught on the camera. As she went toward the vault, he said, Carrie, Carrie, don't listen to them. He said, Carrie, shake it off. You got this. You got this, Carrie. And all of a sudden with that limp, she vaulted up to do a perfect score. And the Americans won the gymnastic Olympics. Come on, somebody. There's your good patriotic story. Here's the clue. That's your father and Jesus Christ, your elder brother. In the moments that people say, yes, she buckled under pressure. He didn't come through like he never comes through. But you got to listen to your coach. To become who you are, who God sees you, you got to listen to him. You've got to know what he's going to say. Calvin, if you'll come join me. You've got to listen. We're in a ministry here of lifting people up. And uh, while you stand with me, I'm going to prepare for this. Um, these are two letters from Bradley County inmates that came to clean for a day. And um, first one says, hello, my name is Tracy Griffith. I'd like to thank everyone who was involved in the Queen for a Day program. Now, see, part of our appointment is to raise the thinking of other people. It's to raise them up to think God's thoughts, to become the person God sees they can be. That's why I'm reading these. I learned so much about faith, and the closer you walk with God, the more your life seems to stay on track. These experiences at Queen Day were breathtaking, to say the least. My favorite part of the whole day, Connie, you're going to love this, was watching the program. The beginning of the program where the girl was lost. And trying to find her way through the door really opened my eyes. It made me realize without God, nothing can be accomplished. The meal was awesome. The shopping was awesome. Getting pampered was awesome. I'd like to volunteer to help when I get out of jail next year. If you don't want me to, maybe sometime in the future you'll let me. So thanks to everyone who was involved in putting this whole program together. And thanks to everyone who decided to involve six ladies from the Bradley County Sheriff's Office. Hello. I just want to say thank you for the experience I had at Queen for the Day. I can't tell you how many times I've thanked God already. I've been in jail for 13 months and went through all sorts of emotions up and down, even questioning why God was letting this happen. My faith was slim, slim to none. Would be safe to say at one point, 
However, the last few months, I hit what I said was my all-time low. And the only thing I knew to do was absolutely turn to God, try something I've never tried before. Faith, there's my weakness, but what did I have to lose? Nothing at all. I mean, faith the size of mustard seed. Surely I got that in me. My faith is now what has brought me out of the worst pit I've ever been. And I can say my prayers are not only being heard, but they're being answered for the first time in my life. I do not. I do know that everything's going to work out. God confirmed that time and time again at Queen for a Day. I needed to seal the deal. He said, she said, Queen for a Day sealed the deal. From the moment I stepped in, it was more than I could have ever prayed for. Who would have thought I'd been queen for the day after 13 months in jail? I still feel like a queen right now. The impact that my life received is something I'll forever carry with me. And that Miss Renee Williams was so kind. Filled me up with hope and showed me such a love I think is as close as I've ever felt to God's love. The prayer leader told me what my name meant. Well, her kindness is overwhelming. I want to be more like these people. The eighth grade girl that goes to Cleveland Middle School that's adopted, that took me shopping, filled me with more faith than I could ever imagine. Wow, her story gave me hope. The two ladies that gave their testimony were talking to me. I feel like I was the only one in the room. God made this possible. I may not understand everything, but I know it's not God's plan to harm me. It's all God's part of plan to make me like him. Another answered prayer. God's got me. It's a God thing. I understand for the first time, she's going to be long-winded like me, ever just what God's light is or what is to be. Everyone I cross paths with on Saturday glowed. I love this. I mean, they glowed from head to toe. I want that glow. And the only thing I know for certain each person had in common is their love for God. Heck yeah. Give me that any day over my love for anything else. There's a lot. Not only do I see it now, I feel it. I pray to see these people who touched my life again. I know God made my path, and it was meant to happen. Thank you all so very much. I love you guys. Yes, I do like Jesus does. I can say I felt so much love. I still know I'm loved. P.S. Captain Thomas, thank you for allowing me to experience this. It changed my life. Can we give glory to Jesus? And Calvin, you've been with us so long, and then that's what the kingdom about. Because this queen for a day, son, you was there for years. It's just grown exponentially. Forty-five churches represented. And that's what Christ is called. He raised the disciples thinking. He resurrected. And they went and raised everyone else's thinking. And that's what we do. We help others become who God sees they are by telling them of their approval. By teaching them to think like God thinks. Of believing the report that God gives. Calvin came to us years ago. He came to Pastor Hank in an early morning prayer. I don't know if it's from there you want to touch, but God did such a miracle for him. I want him to tell you. And we, we got, do we have time for this? Do we have time for this? Okay, I know we do. Come on. Hey, y'all. Hey, you know, when I got over to Nevada, and uh, you got to say Nevada, not Nevada. <laughs> They'll let you know. I'll go, I was over in Nevada. Nevada. I mean, they'll yell at you from the stage but uh, or the crowd, but they're serious about it. But uh, I tell you what, when I when I showed up here, uh, I was uh, I'd been in and out of insane asylums, spent a million dollars, all blue cloth blue shield would spend on a psych, was exhausted. So then the only place I had to go was Moxonville. They had me on. So many drugs, it was 33 pills that I took three times a day. Do the math. You know, that's 99 pills a day to try to keep me subdued. I'll tell you what. One thing I want to say, you are never going to surprise God. 
you can't jump behind a corner and when he's coming in the door and go, hey, he go, I knew you was there. I knew you was going to do that thing again. You know what I mean? I still love you. See, the difference is, you know, he don't have a whole lot of time. He, he ain't in time. He's outside of time. So he sees the end from the beginning. It's hard for us to, to, to think of that, but he sees us glorified now. So when we're sitting here doing our same thing again, he looks over and goes, mm-hmm. he sees you in a glorified state. No matter what's here, that's what's happening for real. Does that make sense? Uh, and you got to praise him like you got it when you hadn't got it yet. Got to get that out there. You don't know, stay there. But, but I'm telling you, you can't surprise God with anything you do again and again or whatever. He's called you, and he deals in personalities. So he knows your personality. He created it so he can deal with it. He knows we're going to be quirky. We're going to have our own little things we get into. But anyway, back to the glorious thing God did. I came here. I didn't even know how to pray. I thought everybody in the Bible was like Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody was just perfect. Well, what do I have? And I, as I learned, started learning about like David. And now I got to thinking, man, I ain't killed nobody. <laughs> I hadn't took anybody's wife, you know, and sent them to the front line. So I thought, wow, and he's a man after God's own heart. See, God didn't look at him like everybody else did. He looked here. And that's what he does with y'all. He ain't looking at the thing you did again. He's looking at that little piece of him that's in you. And he's wanted nothing more than to bring it home all the way. But uh, when I came in here, uh, I didn't know how to pray, didn't know anything. Todd Murner, you know, I followed him around. He'd say something, I'd say it. He said something, I said it. You know, I'd praise him. Just learn it, you know, like a sponge. And I don't realize there's healing in the Bible. I thought, oh, I wonder if he could heal me. Would he? Yes. Only you got to reach out and ask for it. He's got it for you. But I came in here, uh, uh, got saved, was doing good, but I was still really depressed. And we went on a... Uh, singles uh, trip to Florida. I sold car tags and said harvest on it, you know, to everybody, and I got like a dollar out of whatever. Made my trip and helped somebody else go. <laughs> Praise God, I'm a salesman. Hello. Uh, but uh, I went there. I had a glorious time. Met a lot of people. Uh, got to know them a little bit better, but on the way home, you know, I met Christian and I disqualified myself. I said, she don't need this in her life. You know what I mean? I mean, who wants this problem? 33 pills, you know, three times a day and all the, you know what I mean? All the things that go with that. Hello. And, uh, but see, God had that for me. But I was telling him no. On the way home from that trip, as good as it was, I planned on going home and killing myself. I tried it before. I was in a coma for a month. 
Uh, God just wasn't done. Uh, got here, and everybody's it just happened, hello, to be Sunday night. And we was having church on Sunday night being here, and I uh, come in, and I thought, thought about going home, and it was so depressing. I didn't even have a gallon of water in the refrigerator, didn't have a stove, you know what I mean? Didn't have a radio, it was just nothing, cold, empty. And church was going on, and I thought about it, and it made me feel like Thanksgiving. Just warm family. Why not? Okay, I thought, what have I got to lose? One more service. You know what I mean? So I came in, and they was having a, a special uh, speaker that night, and uh, uh, came in. I was sitting there hanging out, and the place was jammed up, and the hair started standing up on my head, you know, when I was talking. And he was just walking around here just doing, you know, really joking and kidding around. And he said, I, I, I want all the guys in here that uh, maybe have a mental or a physical problem, blah, 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 to stand up, you know. And so I stood up, of course, you know. And uh, he said, how you come up here? And, uh, man, all the hair was standing up on my head, body everywhere then. You know, he come up there and he goes, he covered the mic and he uh, said a few things that I, he shouldn't have known, but he did know. And asked me, if, are you done with those? I went, yes, sir. You know, and uh, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go back there to the back of the door. And I took off running. And he started laughing. He said, well, come back up here because I hadn't even told you why you're going back there yet. I didn't care, like a child. Come back up there. And he says, when you go back there, there's going to be an eight-foot angel of the Lord standing back there. He's going to lift you up to God, and you're going to receive your healing. Ooh, I eased back there a little bit then because I... I'd heard a few things about angels in the Bible. I didn't want to bump into them, you know what I mean? So I kind of eased back there, and I kind of eased up to the doors, you know, without hitting it because he's just on the other side, he said. So I was like, you know, praising. And then all of a sudden, I went out, but I never hit the ground. I just started shaking, you know, crying, shaking. And uh, about that time, I, it was me. But I felt like raising my hands, you know, just like I was sitting there shaking and raised my hands up. And I was just, man, I was just shaking like a leaf on a tree. And he was up here doing other stuff. I think he was laid out. And uh, it was all kinds of stuff, good stuff going on. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I mean, I wasn't thinking nothing, just shaking and crying. I couldn't even talk, you know. And God was watching me. And uh, my hands felt like they were on fire all of a sudden. And I stopped what I was doing. I was just shaking. And I was looking at my hands. And he stopped what he was doing. He goes, your hands feel like they're on fire. I went, yes, sir. He goes, the angel of the Lord's got you by the hands and lift you up to God. Receive your healing. Woo! Never hit the ground. But I went out for 30 minutes or so shaking like a leaf on a tree. Got come to, you know, standing up. But I, I come out, first thing in my mind, he said, Get rid, give those pills to Kristen. Tell her to pray over them. Get rid of them. You're never going to need them again. 24 years ago. So, you know, if he can do that for me, and I ain't nothing but me, 
that tried to, that messed up and did everything wrong for 30 years. I was 30 years old when I got saved. And you're sitting there in church. You don't think he's on your side? He's on your side. He's always going to be on your side. And like I said, you can't surprise God, and you can't let him down, and you can't disappoint him. It doesn't matter. You just keep going back to the Word, and if it doesn't, if it if it's running you away from it, you know it ain't God, because He ain't deciding whether He likes you or not on what you, how good you tap dance today. It doesn't matter. He wants to be. He wants you to be like a garden hose, and He just wants to flow through you. We just want to keep the kinks out, and that's it. But I tell you what, you know that's been 24 years ago. I've had some ups and downs, and I've had some challenges. God's been right there with me every time, and he's just, he's kept me, kept me, you know what I mean, through it all. Amen. It's awesome, isn't it? He can do the same thing for y'all. I mean, I was on every, every other drugs, too, but that, that was the pharmaceuticals they had me on. But he can break any chain. You know how you, you see those guys with the chain? They still got the wristbands and stuff. A little bit of chains are broken. Uh-uh. All gone. Wristbands gone. There ain't no chains left. They're gone. You just got to believe it and receive it. And that's it. Love y'all. This lady right here has spoke life into me so much. It made me feel like I was something that I never would have thought I was. I'm telling you, she has spoke literal life into me time and time again by just telling me, you are somebody. You're a son of God. Oh, give Jesus praise. Thank you, Calvin. So beautiful. You just stand all over the building and... Christine and Bailey and Chris, if you would come, they're going to sing, um, You Were the Word in the Beginning, and we're just going to have these closing moments for you to pray over yourself. I don't want anybody to leave, but I just feel like God wants to lift you up. This Calvin did get a miracle. Some miracles are progressive. That was an angel right back there, the same building. I was here that night that miracle happened, and I've seen him walk it out. God has something for you. Who has God called you to be? Are you going to become the you that God sees or are you going to stay down here? I just want you to make your place an altar. In fact, let's just all come down and stand for these last five minutes. If you can, you feel comfortable. If not, stay at your seat, of course. And uh, they're going to go ahead and sing this. I just want you to put your hands up or on your heart. Just ask the Lord to elevate your thinking, that you would see yourself as he sees you. Thank him for the wholeness. List the 21 things you're thankful about. It is Jesus. Just make this your time right here.
to be who you've called us to be, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your healing power, your overcoming power, your glory, and your presence of who you are, Jesus, in our life. We thank you there is no rival against you. There is no enemy too big for who you are. We bless your name, Jesus. 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 Before we pray over you, I want you to give Jesus a hand. Stay in these altars. Come on, give Jesus a hand. Give Jesus a hand. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I pray over my brothers and sisters and myself. We want to thank you, Jesus. You are who you are. We often give you reasons why you can't and 21 reasons why we couldn't. And you consistently pull us back to 21 reasons why we can. Lord Jesus, I thank you that any deserts in our life you knew, Lord. Uh, any lack, insufficiency, weaknesses, character defects, whatever those may look like, Lord, you knew. Lord, you see what each one of us can become. The strong can become even brilliant. The rich can become even wealthier kingdom people. Lord, you see the potential of each one of us, but we often give so many reasons why we can't. But you're always lifting us up to why we can. Lord, I know there's destiny for every man and woman in this room right now. Destiny they can't even imagine or fathom. They can't even see. And our, our natural mind is at war with you over this. And we often don't fight our natural mind because we've inhabited, we've cohabited with it our whole life. Lord, help us to fight that natural mind with what your word says. The only way we can do that is to know what your word says and to get into your presence, Jesus. Those people that ran barefoot across cities to get into your presence. Help us, Lord, to create atmospheres in which we can encounter you in church and sanctuaries and moments at home driving, moments doing work, Lord. Continue to raise us up above our low-level thinking. To think like you think about ourselves, Lord. Because our thinking is going to show. And every thought is going to lead us closer to our God-given potential or away from it. Lord, some in this room have been spotlighting the wrong thing. Probably, Father, we all have. Let's just be honest. Help us to put the spotlight on the good things that you have given us. Help us to put the spotlight on the potential that we have. Help us to make list of what is possible. List of things that we can do. List of dreams we would like to achieve, Lord. You lifted those men up, Christ, and they turned the world upside down. Lift us up. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Let us go into this new week, God, with more of a perseverance. Help us to listen to what you say about us, God because we want to become who you say we can be. The glory and the potential inside of us we argue with so much, Lord. Let the argument cease today. We thank you for what you did in Calvin's life. We thank you for the miracle that happened, Lord, so many years ago in this room. We thank you for the man of God you've made, and we thank you for these two women 
in jail that were able to come to Queen for a day, Lord, and what you meant. We didn't get to hear from the rest of them, but what you did in their life. We thank you that you've called us as a church to lift people up to see who you've called them to be, God. And how blessed are the feet of those who bring good news, God. Continue to make ways for us. Let us be creative. Continue to give us ideas we don't have. Continue to open the doors wide to those in recovery. Continue to let them be found here, Lord Jesus. Continue to do what you're doing, Lord. Let your will be established with this building, Lord, and that which is to come. Lord, do all things according to your good measure, and we won't fail to give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Just give him one more praise in this house. Thank you, Jesus. You can go to your seats. I don't have much to say, but that this is offering time. And if you came to give offering, if you lift your hand, Pastor Todd will get it to you. I didn't give any big introduction, but Calvin and Kristen were both with us as singles. Just lift your hand if you need an offering envelope. We're singles and um, married and just helped direct so many things with us. They live in Nevada now. And uh, Kristen helped flip my house upside down. Uh, Christy Bowen wanted me to come decorate her house. I said, Christy, that was not me. Um, but uh, Kristen works with Lowe's. And uh, Calvin, they're just blessed. They live in Nevada now. They've done so many great things for God. We thank the Lord for their life. Amen. Aren't you glad he made it in this morning? Because every time you tell a testimony... Psalms 31 says, Christy, oh, how great is the goodness that you have stored up and laid up on purpose, which you give in the sight of man. We talked about that verse this week. This morning we talked about the goodness. God has more. He has no shortcuts of healing. He has no short. You're never going to get a rain check. He still brings life and liberty and wholeness. We love you, Church of Harvest. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. Go and have a great week. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. We love you so much.